This is an MACP podcast. Um, I'm Dan Nichols. I'm delighted today to uh, be joined by Ian Griffiths, who's going to be talking at the upcoming Physio UK conference, um, which will be on the uh, 20th of October. So in the lead up to that, I just wanted to pick, uh, pick Ian's brain on a, on a few, um, a few uh, questions that I have. Um, just before we get around to that, uh, Ian, I'd like to welcome you to the MACP podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, if you could uh, kick things off, just uh, telling listeners uh, a little bit about yourself in terms of sort of where you got to the, the, the post you've currently got, so your journey up into uh, the upcoming conference. Yeah, sure. So I am a podiatrist, uh, obviously, and uh, always a pleasure to be uh, sort of welcomed with open arms by by a community like the physio community. I must say, because I'm surrounded by physios all day nowadays, Um I graduated uh, back in 2003, so I'm, I'm 15, 15 years qualified now. And it was a fairly usual route from NHS uh, for several years, then into private practice, and then a master's degree in, in sports injury along the way, and then moving into sort of the, the sporting injury side of private practice. So now I hold uh, the head of podiatry post at Pure Sports Medicine in London. I consult for Booper. Um, Booper Wellness in London as well, and then do a little bit of work with a few professional sports teams as well. Great, I'll bolt into there that you've also a sports podiatrist that I think has been embraced by the uh, physio community, as we were saying off, off the podcast <laughs> yeah. there. Um, and if we kick, kick things off um, on, the, on the orthosis, so what are the, the mechanisms underpinning the use of orthosis uh, in the management of a, a patient's pathology? Would it make it easier if you, if you, could, if you could answer that question with, with an example from your, your clinical practice? Yeah, sure, I'll try. Um, it, it's certainly going to be the, the, the bulk of my talk at the Physio UK as well. And, and um, the, the talk is entitled, How Do Orthoses Work? Um, and that's kind of the, the premise of what you've asked there. And I think if we're, if we're going to jump straight to the conclusion, straight to the spoiler, the... the the 100% honest and, and transparent way of answering that is to say that we're not 100% sure. We're, we, we, we're, we're not completely certain. We know more than we've ever known, and we've learned a lot from the research over the years. But I think it's I think it's wrong to say that we're completely on top of how these how these devices exert their effects. We've we've got some pretty pretty solid ideas, um, which I won't go into in huge depth now. But I mean. We'll, we'll, we can we can talk about the, the psychological effects of them. Believe it or not, there's a there's a wee bit of work that's been done in that field, and we can also talk about the neuromotor effects, which is essentially when you put something under the foot, the way the central nervous system responds to that, and then it itself drives the the outcome. But they're the kind of more sort of obscure things that aren't often talked about. I think when we talk orthoses, our minds immediately, I say our, our podiatrist's minds immediately go towards the, the direct mechanical effects. That's where the lion's share of attention and thought has, has historically been. Um, and that's broken up into, as I'm sure you know, into two, two arms, the kinematic effects. So the changing of position, the promising of realigning things and, and changing uh, angular changes. And then the kinetic effects, which is obviously the changes of, of, of loads and stresses in, in tissues. And, uh, and I'm sure I'm not um, telling too many people something new by saying that most of us would have been taught, podiatry-wise or physiotherapy-wise, at bachelor's level, that these devices were introduced uh, to change the alignment of someone's rear foot or change the alignment of someone's skeleton. And 
beautiful a, a story as that is and uh, easy as it is to understand and the beautiful before and after images that we all know and love and, and uh, how wonderfully simple it is to therefore take that into clinic and explain that to patients, um, we can't ignore the science. The, the science is, is, should be leading the way and, and ultimately it does not support that contention whatsoever. Whether someone has a change in alignment when they have an orthosis placed underneath their foot is completely unpredictable. It's completely subject-specific, so it may happen for one person and not for another, and it doesn't seem to correlate with clinical outcomes. So it's not what they need to do to, to work, you know, to have a, a positive clinical effect. And, and I guess that is the big, the, big, uh, the big elephant in the room that no one likes to hear because it challenges thought and it challenges our, our paradigms and it challenges our practice, and we, none of us really have, have, have ever welcomed that kind, those kind of challenges. But we have to move with the science of the day, and, and the science of the day tells us that from a mechanical point of view, these devices are far more likely to be exerting positive clinical effects via the change of kinetic parameters. So the location and the magnitude and the direction and the timing of reaction forces under the foot. It's subsequent change in um, joint moments and subsequent change in tissue stresses. So to, in a long-winded way of getting back to your question of how do these things work, I'd always say to someone the easiest way to summarize all of that is to stop thinking of them as arch supports stop thinking of them as some kind of crutch or brace they, they are not and have never been any of these things and start thinking of them as an as a tool to modify load now i don't need to to speak to a group of physios and, and tell them about the, the the principles of load management because everything i know about load management i learned from physios but that's all they really are, another, another tool in our ability to manage load in given tissues. Yeah, uh, in fact, on that note, I uh, just uh, last week stole a phrase I first heard from yourself. I'm not sure if you've borrowed it from someone else, but the, uh, the probably arrow <laughs> in the quiver of load management. Yeah, 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 I definitely stole that. That's definitely too <laughs> smart, too smart for me. Um, but, but but it's true. I mean, we I've, I've I've been I found myself in discussions with people over the years, and as, as you I'm sure you know, some people are are very anti orthoses. They do not believe they have a place in, in practice and other people are very pro and they probably overprescribe them and, and in, you know, give them to everyone indiscriminately and, and the answer should probably be somewhere in the middle and I think when I'm speaking to someone who's very anti-orthoses and when we're talking about something, whatever pathology we may be talking about, they're often saying, well, the goal here, the rehab goal here is to modify someone's activity. So what we're doing is we're managing load, and then we're going to introduce a rehab program, and so we're increasing load capacity and, and tissue tolerance, and then we're going to reintroduce load. And, and it's all about managing load. Sometimes we'll even talk about changing the way they run, their cadence, their stride length. Again, another tool in managing load. But then when it comes to foot orthoses, they're like, no, they're, they're inappropriate, they're unnecessary. Uh, the body doesn't need something external. And, and that's because I think they're visualizing them as some kind of brace or support um, rather than another way of managing load or another an, another sort of, like you say, uh, arrow in that quiver. Yeah, and, and going back to your point about um, people um, emphasizing the kinematics as sort of um, their reasoning behind um, full orthosis prescription. Do you think, in addition to that, it's not just the that's a, a, an easier one to, to get your head around, but do you feel the inability to measure the kinetics clinically is why there's a disproportionate attention given to yeah, kinematics? Yeah, definitely. 
Definitely, definitely. I mean, we in clinic, we we some people like to to measure, and you can only measure what you can see. Um, and that's not to say that that quantifying kinetics is is completely immeasurable because we know it's not. But in the average practice. It's it's pretty much it's pretty out of reach. Um, whereas you can, if you're so inclined, you can get a protractor and you can measure the, the bisection of the calcaneum for or navicular drop or whatever whatever measure you want. So I think you focus on things that you can measure historically, and the things that you can measure is the things you can see. And I think that's why kinetics has historically been a little bit um, uh, sort of lower on the priority list. And, and it's probably appropriate for me to say that although we're talking about them as very separate entities here, which we always do for simplicity and, and discussion and education, I mean, it's, it's completely appropriate uh, to remind everyone that, that, you know, you can't really separate them in the real world in that way. We just do so for, for discussion. But you're absolutely right. Um, we, we focused a lot on kinematics and as has the research, um, because they're the things that are easy to see and easy to measure. If we stick with clinical reasoning, what are the key factors that support your clinical reasoning um, when prescribing an orthosis? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. It's I think the thing that often surprises people who sit in with me, who've who you know, have an idea of the way podiatrists think when they give these things is it's, it's far less there's far less weight placed on foot posture than perhaps people would would expect or historically um, that's that that would be i guess uh, the, the education that we've all had would 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 lead us down that path it's it's really a decision on whether we think they are a useful adjunct to the overall management strategy and the reason that I say it in that way is that I can't think of a single lower limb pathology I see where it's appropriate for me to be the only person seeing them, seeing that patient, seeing that athlete. Um, it, it's very much a multidisciplinary team approach to, to all lower limb pathologies, in my opinion. So um, really, you know, orthoses are just a piece of that puzzle and not always. So what goes through my mind when I'm trying to decide is does this does this have does this bring real value to this to this particular patient to this particular pathology um, and, and it really is along the concepts of, of, of tissue stress you know can we can we successfully modify the loads in the target tissue so there's there's certain tissues that I think we can get a big win with orthoses early. And that doesn't mean they're a life sentence, of course. I, I actually believe they are life sentences in very few individuals. But the big win for me, uh, tibialis posterior, is, is a good example where in the short term, there aren't many scenarios where offloading that tissue isn't going to be appropriate. And there's ways we can do that without orthoses, of course, but it's a really big and easy and, and quick win for me. So there's other pathologies where I'm less inclined to uh, intervene personally because in my experience um, and over the years, I've, I've not noticed we get quite such big wins. For me, I'm not a huge fan of the forefoot space occupying lesions so the bursa and the, the intermetatarsal neuroma in my hands at least i tend to find that you put something in that shoe and what you do is you make the shoe tighter and normally symptoms are a, a, a secondary result of, of increased compression in that area to start with so we don't get quite such big wins so it really is a pretty simple process do we think these things will help modify the load on that tissue and then if so how long do we think they need to do that for yeah, and, uh, and and when do you think is the best time? So when's the most appropriate time to to make that intervention for a patient? Would you 
Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good it's a good question because the honest answer is uh, we don't have lots of data on this. The, the one area, the one area we do have a bit of data on this is in the world of, of patellofemoral pain. Uh, and we know from the research that's been done and we know from the consensus statements that come out of the, the, the regular sort of uh, two yearly meetings that they have that um, the, the, the recommendation there is early. So usually within the first six weeks. Um, and I'm pretty lucky to work with a few, um, a few guys, um, who've done their PhD in this area. Who may, I'm sure they'd be known to you. So they're pretty good at referring these, these patellofemoral patients on pretty early, regardless of what their foot posture looks like, or regardless of that normal thought process that a physio may go through where they say, here's a patient. I'll, I'll work on things proximally for six weeks and see see what we're left with, or I don't see anything at foot level that I think requires podiatry intervention from a postural perspective. These guys just say patellofemoral patient patellofemoral patient uh, presents. Um, they get referred to me on day one, yeah. and we've got the sort of we've got the evidence to support that. Yeah, that was that was echoed by. I, I, we did a podcast on telephoneal pain with your colleagues, yeah, Brad Neal and Simon Lack, and they're both saying that, that once those patients have been identified, there's this there's this nice um, uh, environment that you've got that they'll they'll bring the patient in with yourself, and um, it seems a nice journey for the patient to be on board, and they can see that. I can, I can. Yeah, absolutely. They're, and they're the two guys I was actually just referring to. I wasn't sure whether, whether I was allowed to name drop or yeah, not, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're very we're very spoiled to to work with each other. Uh, hopefully, it's uh, I give as I give them as much as they give me. I hope I hope it's symbiotic. Uh, although I'm, I'm I'm slightly worried I take more than I give in that relationship. But from a, from a knowledge perspective, but yeah, I think. Um, We've got good data within within that field, so we feel that we can you know we can justify early intervention, and often with something inexpensive, a prefabricated device, of course. Um, but we feel that we have the the, the evidence base to justify that intervention. Um, outside of patellofemoral pain, if we're being completely honest and we're we're leaning on the literature, uh, we don't have we're, we're not we're not fortunate enough to be furnished with those kind of numbers with other pathologies. So we we'll often see plant to heal pain can trickle into my clinic anywhere from four weeks old to four years old you know and um, we, we, we just don't seem to see other pathologies uh, uh, quite so early um, which is a shame and that, uh, but the reality is we can't really put a case forward for seeing them early if we don't have the evidence to say so so on reflection of uh, what you've been saying about the orthosis and their use in um, managing load of the patient, does this open up the opportunity to engage that patient in conversation, maybe incorporating um, your, your pain science um, knowledge and, uh, and educating the patient in that way so they can see the benefits of an orthosis and in the bigger spectrum of managing their pathology? Yeah, I think I think I think the first thing I should probably say is, although I have a real interest in um, pain, current understanding of pain science, my pain science knowledge is probably significantly inferior to, to to a lot of physiotherapists. So that's the first thing I should I should probably say. But you're you're absolutely right in that within the world of podiatry, we've we've probably been a bit too focused for a bit too long on, on, on the very sort of mechanical and structural way of thinking and certainly been guilty of thinking that, that pain equals tissue damage. And certainly you know, that's not the way that the, the current data is interpreted, as we know. So 
when we're talking about load management, we know that it isn't just, you know, external loads that feed into this. It's things like stress and anxiety and, and hypervigilance and all those kind of things. So that would certainly always come out in the discussion. And I, I touched on it very briefly at the start of here when I sort of, as a throwaway comment, said the psychological effects of orthoses. And we got a little bit of work there. We don't have, we don't have enough, in my opinion. I think we, this is probably where we can entertain the the notion that one mechanism of action for foot orthoses working could be purely psychological. And I don't mean just like a placebo effect. I mean a, a genuine reduction in the real or, or, or perceived level of threat or danger. Um, and, and if that's the case, given what we now know about pain being a, an output of the brain and, and um, being a, an opinion that the brain concludes given the the levels of, of real or perceived threat or danger anything that has the ability to reduce that has the ability to influence pain so we don't have lots of work on this it's not something we go into in massive detail with the patient if we're honest but it's an area that really really fascinates me and i think we need more work on this even down to the level of the words we use when we issue foot orthoses, the words we use when we describe how these things are going to work, because we know that words can harm and words can heal. So, you know, I don't want to say much more for fear of making myself look foolish, but the honest answer is yes, as a profession, podiatry is trying to embrace the current day understanding of pain science. We're aware that orthoses and the whole world surrounding orthoses has has ignored this and been very very mechanical and i think reconciling the two um which i'm still on the journey of doing is, is very much at the front of our minds yeah i think it's a really interesting area that i can see you just uh, continuing to develop i think a lot of a lot of listeners might be familiar with what you're saying um, earlier on about um how altering the, uh, the magnitude of the reaction force or altering the vector of reaction force, but I've also heard you speak about um, altering the temporal patterns uh, of reaction forces as well. I find that really interesting. I know that um, listeners be keen to hear more about your thoughts on that side of things as well. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to sort of the physics of, of, of orthoses, they are essentially a you know, a, a device that goes in between the top of the shoe and the bottom of the foot. So we, we refer to what occurs there as, as, as the, the foot orthosis interface. And really, um, based on the, the shell's shape, uh, you know, its geometry and its uh, stiffness characteristics, the materials it's made of, of course, and also its frictional characteristics, it has the ability to manipulate these reaction forces. What we know is ground reaction force suddenly gets its name changed into orthosis, rea orthosis reaction force. So, yeah, these things, depending on their design, and we're still learning more about these, the, you know, what exact design features uh, result in exact outcomes, and it will always be person-specific rather annoyingly, they do have the ability to, to manipulate these external loads. And, and generally speaking, if you modify the external loads being applied to a structure, then you will have, uh, you know, unquestionably have, a, have a, an influence on the internal loads of that structure. And that's as true of the human foot as it is an engineer looking at the way a, a beam in a building is going to be loaded externally and how it's going to respond internally. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating area, or at least I find it fascinating, but it's, um, it's not one that, that is particularly um, easy to discuss without images, pictures. It, it's definitely one for a, for a presentation rather than a podcast, I would say. 
Yeah, well, on that note, uh, we uh, <laughs> team me up perfectly. <laughs> if we round up there, thanks uh, ever so much for your time. Um, people Pleasure. that want to uh, listen more of what uh, Ian's got to say, then I suggest they attend uh, the conference. And uh, Ian's on day two, which is Saturday on the, on the 20th of October. Um, with, a, with a great lineup, but with, with the added benefits, he's uh, going to be talking about um, more uh, in depth about how full orthosis work, but then also coming back and linking it into some case studies after the break, which, um, which personally I'm looking, looking very forward to. So thank you very much for your, for your time today, and much appreciated. I look forward to um, hearing more of the conference. Yeah, absolute pleasure. I look forward to it. Take care. Bye now.